This episode of Pushers Breakaway is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on the last-minute tickets. Did you know the Rangers' ticket prices drop right before the game starts? If you didn't know, now you know. Game Time tr ticket tracks tracks rather prices in real time for thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. If you want to watch the New York Rangers play or you're looking to a game, go into a game in the next few weeks, why not get try the Game Time app right before the game? Hopefully it won't be like the Boston game we just watched. So head to the App Store today or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals and last-minute tickets. Okay, a little bit of an interesting episode because we had way too much to talk about between Greg and I. We have also Tom Wilson from the Williams. I don't know why I keep doing the Wilson thing. Tom Williams. Uh, of Straight From The Path to talk about the Rangers and his new album, or their new album, rather. And he probably breaks the F-bomb record for the show. So that's later on. And uh, I, I, I don't even know how to deal with this team sometimes. So here we go. Here's the episode for the week. Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier. And you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Fans. Welcome to another week of the Bushes Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, and we are the only Rangers podcast that performs at 180 beats per minute. Greg, say hello. I have nothing to say to that. You know I, I just, you just, you, you, every every time, every, not every time, there are sometimes you're quite lame, but every time you start talking, mm -hmm. I just, I think to myself for a quick moment. What am I doing? That, psych, no, psychopaths listen to this podcast at one and a half times normal rate. Mm -hmm. And it just can't be fun anytime you're talking. I think I slow down as the podcast goes. I've uh, you you might, but the that initial burst, it's like, look at the back of the rabbit. How you doing? It's just like, what the fuck, dude? Calm down. Speaking of the word F, uh or, or, or <laughs> um, this, this this episode of the podcast brought to you by, by the fuck. Uh we have uh our guest today is Thomas Williamson. Uh, from Straight from the Path. I think I said that right. Or maybe it's not Williamson. I'll find out right now. Yeah, it's time, Thomas yeah, Williams. It's Williams. Williams. Yeah, I don't know why I added the son on that. It helps, it helps to know who we, uh, yeah. the name of the person. That's good. About. Thomas Williams. He's from Straight from the Path, a band I listened to a lot over the past 15 years on and off. And uh, they, uh, he comes on and talks all about his Ranger fandom and also promotes his new album, Eternal Anomics. But he also breaks the record of F-bombs dropped on Bushers Breakaway. So much yeah. appreciated. Grand Grandpa Red is not good. Yeah, he's, this is, uh, on iTunes it does say we curse. So, welcome to the number one Rangers podcast. We're also sponsored by The Athletic. I guess you've heard of that. Let's, there's, Gregory, I don't even know where to start. I was going to take notes. There's, there's, there's a bit to talk about. I was going to take notes about. for this show and... Uh, Sometimes, you, know, you actually know where I want to start. You know where I want to start. Michael Haley's goal on no, that's not where after I want to start. the after Have ten you... minutes of no shots on goal. Michael Haley breaks the tie that's, against that's the. That's not Bruins. where I want to start. Okay. Don't want to start. All right. Have you seen the video of the psychopaths that are changing the ABC song? No. This is where you want to start. Yeah. This is where I want to start because it, it it sets the mood. It just it's they've changed so you know how it's like uh L L M N O P like the real song like L -M -N -O -P. A human being. yeah 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 no they broke it up in the new song what it's terrible i hope you if you want this i heard, hope that at the end of this you go and that's why david quinn needs to be fired <laughs> no, because, um, <laughs> i'm not i'm not no 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 okay. it's just i think i think in these trying times even right. though they shouldn't be trying in the times of our lord to be, yes right 
even in these trying times, we all need the one thing we can be jointly angry about. And I think we all need to take a step back and realize whoever the idiot is that tried to change the ABC song needs to be shot and just put out the pasture. I was watching a video of a cyborg that was holding a pistol and shooting targets today, and they were like oh. kicking it, and this is hockey-related, they were hitting it with hockey sticks, and it would still shoot the targets very clearly. So we're all going to yeah, die Terminator one comes out next Yes, week. sir. Yeah. Great. Everything's great. All right, let's start with Michael, I mean, uh, David Quinn. I guess this is the probably the number one place to start, right? Uh... <laughs> Oh, we can start with Kraftstoff. We can start with Heedle. We can start with Lindgren. We can start. No, I'm I'm just really, I'm 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 antsy to just shit on you about Tony D'Angelo. Oh, let's, let's start, start with, with Quinn. No, let's start with Tony. No, no, no. Actually. Let's start. Let's start. No, with no, Quinn. no, 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 Greg. Let's start with Tony. Let's start from the fucking top, Ryan. <laughs> We're gonna start with Quinn. Okay, let's start with let's start with uh, Mr. David Quinn. There has been a lot of controversy about David Quinn. I guess I guess some of the quotes he had after the game where he's like, I want players that you know play with heart and skill and grit, etc. Um, that's not the exact quote, but that's pretty much what he said. I, my point is, if you're listening to Quinn out there, what the hell do you want him to say? What do you want David Quinn to come out and be like? He wants... I don't think it's a problem that Quinn wants more toughness out of his players. I know we make fun of the grit term and the toughness and playing with heart a lot on this show and have in the past. I'm well aware we do that. It's it's in our nature. But it's not like David Quinn has a lot of skill once Mika Zibanejad leaves the ice, right? Who does he have that you would say is a skillful player currently, Gregory? It's Mika Zibanejad, Kapokako, Adam Fox, Tony D'Angelo. Oh, Artemi Panarin yet. You're, you're killing me. Well, Artemi is like... Panarin Arte- not the first one? Artemi, yeah, but, I actually in my mind thought I automatically said Artemi Panarin because I didn't even we're, count we're, we're, I think, I think here's, here's the problem I had with the reaction to the comments. It's people getting lost in the weeds, right? It's, it's the trigger word. It's saying that, uh, you know, it's one thing to have skill. I don't think anything David it's, – it's coach speak. David Quinn isn't saying anything that isn't true. And it, it, it's true for every walk of life. It's everything you do. You can be the world's most talented writer, but if you're not motivated to put pen to paper, it doesn't fucking mean anything. And that's just Boy, what – The, the F-bomb counter on this show is just going. Well, oh. Now it's in my head. We did the interview <laughs> first, and now it's in my head. No, but it's, it's, one, of those, it's one of those things where – David, it, it's concerning if David Quinn is saying, I don't want skill being the dominant trait of my team, right? That is the part that I think people latch onto and get nervous about. They hear a coach saying, it doesn't matter how much skill you had if you don't play with any toughness. They see that and they're like, oh, he's trying to make Kapokako play a style of hockey that he is either not, not qualified to play or diminishes his on-ice abilities. That is what everyone hears when they see that. That's not what David Quinn is saying, I don't think. We both could be wrong. But the way I think you and I translated those comments the exact same way. It's just saying skill doesn't fucking matter if you're not working. And it's it's it, we say that everywhere. It's why it's why Major League Baseball All-Stars get benched if they dog out what should be a double. It doesn't matter how talented you are if you're not willing to put that talent to work. you Artemi, Artemi Panarin is the most talented player not named Henrik Lundqvist on the New York Rangers right now, correct? Uh, yeah, you could make a case for Mika, but that's it. Yes. And if Artemi Panarin was playing at 50%, he'd still be a really talented hockey player, right? But at the same time, we'd all be sitting there being like, huh, bet you Artemi Panarin could play a little harder if he really wanted to. 
and that would be a problem. I'm not saying he's doing that. I'm not. No, I don't we're think Artemi Panarin is the guy. Artemi's like motor out of his mind. He's like the yeah, most Panarin, motivated Panarin's person. Been I've Rangers, seen. Panarin's been the Rangers' second best defender, not named Adam Fox this year. So it, this isn't directed at Panarin, but people lost their minds when that quote came out, and it's they got lost. They couldn't see the forest through the trees. He's just saying it doesn't matter how much skill you have. Skill is obviously important. Skill is why all these guys got to the NHL. These guys are here because they are that much better than everyone they've ever played against at every stage of but, their and I, and I want to make this clear. I also think that Quinn isn't saying that players like I don't know he's not talking about anyone in particular in this quote, but to me the way I determined it is he not he's not saying that Kako isn't having enough uh, putting enough time in rather cuz Kako clearly is putting the work in, but during the games himself his Conditioning just isn't up to what Quinn wants. What Quinn... I don't even think that I don't. I don't think this was about any player in particular. I think it was about the entire damn team. Well, everyone because... got annihilated in the second period yeah. versus the Bruins. Everybody. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad all the way through. And it was like once they lost Mika, it's when they lost Mika. It was like they came to terms with the fact that they weren't winning this hockey game, and they just turned it off. And in a way, you know. At some point, you have to hold the players responsible. It's not always going to be the coach's fault. The coach isn't out there. We can we can criticize formations. We can criticize um, play style. We can criticize defensive structure. We can criticize all these things. But at some point in time, players have to play. And for the first the, – that middle 20 minutes of that Ranger game, no one can sit here and tell us that the New York Rangers looked like they were trying or that they – they cared. They didn't. And if you put that kind of effort forward, it doesn't matter who your coach is. Can you imagine if John Tortorella, a guy who we still love, but admit is just a psychopath, you disagree with some of his coaching techniques. Could you imagine what he would have done in that post-game press conference? He would have been like, I am sickened. I am disgusted. This entire team embarrasses me. I wish I wasn't a hockey head coach anymore. That's like Tortorella. You're, you're probably being very nice, Greg. Yeah, uh, that's the tape version. He would, Challenge Tom for the fuck record if he watched that <laughs> second period of hockey. Like, he would go off. It's just, we, I get it. I, I really do, Ryan. Yeah. I get it. We we went through some really frustrating moments with Elaine Vigneault where it was clear that he just wanted guys like Pavel Buchnevich to play a style of hockey that limited their on-ice contributions to the New York Rangers. And that drives you insane. So anytime a coach uses... A catchword like heart, hustle, grit, grit, any of Still. that. If it's used, it's a trigger. It triggers our PTSD. I get it. But I really don't think David Quinn is saying he wishes Capo Caco played like Tanner Glass. That's not what he's saying. Yeah. He's just saying these guys have to give a shit. And if they don't, they're going to get run out of the building. And I know and it's embarrassing. System. It's embarrassing, Ryan, for an NHL coach to simply say, God, I don't know if my team cares. Yeah. Like, that is a really tough look. I think it's a tough look. I think he was like, man, I don't know if my team gives a shit, and that's on me to actually make them care. And I don't know if my system is working because I don't have the skill players I need for my system to work, and I just don't have them right now. So what the hell am I doing? How? What, what do you want me to say? We suck. You, is that what you want? We're terrible. Have you seen the charts? I'm not a chart boy, but if you looked at the chart, it says we're goddamn awful. The tweet that was going making the rounds today that I said was uh, haunting me, uh, I believe uh, I want to give this person correct credit. 
So I uh, give me a, one second here, dude. Dude, great. Uh, it was this Rob Lurker. He's R Lurker twelve on Twitter. Uh, says uh, Rob Rob Lurker. I've talked about him before. I don't know he's, why I didn't know. He's he's our good friend that uh, every every day he's providing us a reason why Mark Stahl shouldn't be in the lineup. And every day I agree with him. And yet every day I know it's not going to change a damn thing. And I honestly feel bad. And pretty much the summary of the tweet is we're talking 15, a 14-15 Sabres tanking level bad of how bad we're performing so far. So, if you remember yeah, that... got Jack Eichel out of it, though, so it, I think you'd take Jack Eichel. I, I would. Just like I would have taken Capococco again. Uh, or Byfield or one of any of these other players that we'll talk about in the future. Uh, I'm streaming extensively. But in general, like, we're not a good team. And I don't know what could change... Well, I guess I know what could change. Heedle and Lingren are now here. Is that a nice transition? Oh, by no, the way. No, because I, I, we're not, I, we're not I, done we're with not, Quinn. I'm not, I'm not quite done with Quinn Neither yet. am I. And I think this is an important point to be brought up. Because it's not just criticizing David Quinn anytime he opens his mouth, which is just a one of the most annoying trends of having to follow a New York sports franchise. I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. Anytime Mickey Calloway opens his mouth, I have negative things to say about him. So it, it like it. This isn't this isn't me. The pot calling the kettle black. I understand that I do this too. It's just I do it so much that I recognize it when other people do it, and it, it's highly annoying. But it's the point that I need to get across. And I I I I got angry online today, and I I didn't think I was picking a fight, but I was definitely being a dick online, and I admit that, and I own it. If you want to fire David Quinn, and I understand oh, this where I was going on this podcast, Ryan. On this podcast, you and I have had issues with some of the decisions David Quinn has made in his first 18 months but as New York Also, Rangers it's like, I don't want to say it's our job, but it kind of is at this point to point no, those but, things out. Yeah, and it's, it's they're fair criticisms, right? Off the top of our heads, the, our favorite talking points, the continued usage of Mark Stahl. The Leah Anderson Brett on the fourth Howden, line. Brett Pre- Howden playing by different rules. Yes. Leah Anderson. And the use of the Quinn bin on the players he and, decides to use and, it on. I, and my new thing is the constant shuffling of lines to find something without actually gaining chemistry. That's where I actually, I, I actually don't mind the shuffling of lines. That stuff doesn't bother me okay. as much. But the point is heard, right? The the two of us are open about our skepticism. We're neither one of us are convinced that David Quinn is going to be the head coach of the next great New York Rangers team. We're hoping this year points us in one direction definitively. And if we're being honest, it's not the world's greatest start to the season. But at the same time, we've talked about it on this podcast that there are things David Quinn is doing that still make sense, right? Like before Jesper Faust was a late scratch for the game for personal reasons. And we all, we hope all is well with Jesper. He's going to be, it sounds like he's going to be back for Tuesday, which has to be a positive sign. So hopefully he's fine. But People were freaking out that Quinn had moved Kako down the lineup. And that's an example to me of an overreaction to something. Has Capo Kako, I'm just going to ask you, Ryan, I just need yes or no answers. Has Capo Kako been struggling? This is tough for me to do yes or no's, but uh, yes. Have we, did we, after that game, talk about the need to separate Kreider from Kako? We did, Yes. Was Quinn's plan to separate Kako from Kreider? Maybe. I can't give no, you a guess. I mean, it was. He, 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 he put Faust on the top line before Faust got scratched. Like, the plan was to go into that game with Mika, Kreider, and uh, Faust on the top line. That was what's going to happen. So, yes. So, all, he's doing everything we're asking him to do. And we're understanding if 
if Cabo Caco's name was Brett Howden and Howden was struggling at the level that Caco was, wouldn't we be calling for Leas Anderson? Haven't we been calling for Leas Anderson to get more ice time? Isn't that something we're doing? So it's just like, it, it, damned if you do, damned if you don't sometimes. When you, when you don't like a coach, it doesn't matter if he's doing something you agree with, you're going to hate it. And people were like, well, he can't play with Howden. That's such a downgrade. He can't play with Lemieux. That's such a downgrade. Here's the thing. Howden and Lemieux played fantastic against the Sabres. They had arguably their best games as New York Rangers. In Howden's case, it was probably the best game of his career. They were really good. So you're putting an ice-cold player with two guys who have been playing well and playing well together, and not to mention, you're trying to give Kako a situation where he can succeed. And when you're going up against the Boston Bruins, that usually means hiding him from Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. And the only way you're going to... I understand that in a hockey game, the flow of the game usually means every player is going to eventually play against someone. At the same time, you can put your player in more advantageous situations where they're not dealing with Bergeron and Marchand more times than not. But because of circumstance, and it's no fault to Quinn, because of circumstance, with Foss being out, he had no choice but to put Kako back on the top line. And you know what Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand did to Kapo Kako, Ryan? They ate him the fuck alive. Turns out you they're very good he, hockey players that he's yeah, never played against that level. They're some of the best players in the NHL. I know. I think and, the, stat I, the stat I saw is that Kapo Kako had never had a minus four night in the history of his life. Uh, until Monday night against the Boston Bruins. But guess what? He's never seen that caliber of player against him before. Never. Ever. Never. There is not a Patrice Bergeron in Liga. If anything, Capo Caco was Patrice Bergeron. He was. In Liga. Yeah. You, you, it, it just, the Quinn firing point, which is somehow how I got down this rabbit hole. Here's the thing that we need every human being to recognize, right? Mm-hmm. We've all agreed for the last three years. That Lindy Ruff is a problem. Sure. Lindy Ruff has created issues for this team defensively that they can't play themselves out of. Brady Shea has gotten worse under Lindy Ruff. He's not getting better. I, you know what? I also want to say this, and this is maybe blasphemy, and maybe you'll correct me, because I know we're going to sure. talk about Tony D'Angelo in a few minutes. But Oh, I am. Yeah, I'm aware of this. And I actually, we'll get into it. Truba, not particularly great either. Has it been? I think Truba, I think Truba's been fine. I, I think Truba, you you can't ask more than what Truba's doing. The things that Adam Fox are doing are so incredible, given how bad everybody else is. Like the Fox is the, the Rangers done. still have a Calder Cup contender on their roster. Adam Fox will never win it if he doesn't get forty points. But Adam Fox has been remarkable as a rookie. It is mind blowing how good he's been, all things considered, with this New York Ranger team. But again, we're getting a little off point here. We've agreed that Lindy Ruff is a problem. When you fire David Quinn, you have to understand that someone else is coaching this team. And I am sick and tired of people just saying, well, anything is better than Quinn. It's not. Here's what happens when you fire David Quinn. Especially if you fire David, you're not going to fire both Quinn and Ruff. It ain't happening. You're firing one of them in the best case scenario. It should be Ruff. But it probably I don't I don't know what they're writing for. I don't know what else Ruff has to do to prove that he's not the guy for this coaching staff. But you're not firing both. So if you fire Ruff, you allow Greg Brown and the Quinn coaching staff to finally get to play whatever they want.
defensively, or at least just get different looks defensively on a constant basis. If you fire Quinn, it's Lindy Ruff the rest of the season. And you can't sit here and tell me that's something people actually want. Because I see I will tell you Twitter. this right now, Gregory. I do not want Lindy Ruff as the coach. And I don't know But if- it's it's not just it's not just us, dude. It's it's the people who want Quinn gone, they're the ones that also want Ruff gone. You're not getting rid of both. What happens when you get rid of both? What is the circumstance when you don't have both? People are like, well, what about Sheldon Keith? Why would the Maple Leafs allow Sheldon Keith to leave midseason? One. Two, if you're Sheldon Keith, why would you want to take the Rangers job midseason when, when it's a sinking ship? Also, and there's nothing you can do. There is nothing Sheldon Keith can do to come into this team and prove a point. He can't do it. No matter what happens, the Rangers are either going to still be And he's bad. a Leaf for life kind of person and is just waiting for his opportunity to take the Leafs over but from It's himself. not even just Leaf. It's not just Leaf for life. It's just that Mike Babcock has never been on the hot seat like this before. And Sheldon Keefe is clearly the number two in Toronto. And if he's clearly the number two in Toronto and Toronto's thinking about getting rid of Babcock, they ain't going to let Keefe interview. And if and then, okay, I hear the people that are like, well, what, do you, what about Chris, Chris Knobloch? He's doing so well. With with Hartford. All right. So now we're going to fuck with Hartford? The first time in what feels like a By century, the way, Hartford Hart- actually knows what Hart- they're doing? Hartford fans sitting there like, yeah, we're 8-0. Or whatever they are currently. I think they were on 8-0-1, eight, eight eight oh I think. 8-0-1, yes. And then they're like, okay, let's take your two best players. It's like, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> Sorry, but guys. It's just like, all right, if the Rangers' problem is development, why are you screwing with the development system? Right? We just figured out how to develop. Right? Hartford's finally playing good, decent hockey. The kids are getting run. Filipino went down to Hartford and was crushing. And destroyed. Why are we screwing with that? I don't Just understand. Let Hartford cook. And if you right, think... So if it's not... If, hold on, Ryan. If oh, it's, if okay, it's not I'm holding. Keith, I'm if it's not going to be Keith because of the Maple Leafs, if it's not going to be Knobloch because of the Wolfpack, it's not going to be an assistant coach not named Quinn or Ruff because every other coach on the coaching staff was someone Quinn brought in. You're not going to hand the keys to Greg Brown because the only reason Greg Brown is here is because of David Quinn. So why are we firing Quinn? What? There is no path here. And I just need people to understand this. You don't fire a coach unless you have a plan. Nobody has a fucking plan. So don't fire the fucking coach. It's not that hard. You might not be agreeing with everything he's doing, but it's literally, it's better than nothing. That is a terrible, terrible plan. It's not even a real plan. It's just screaming into the void like I'm doing right now. Um, it's so stupid. And if you have think- a plan, if you want to say it, <laughs> give me a plan. That's all I want. Uh, give me a damn plan. My only point, because you made a lot of mine, uh, is that if you think the Rangers and MSG are going to buy out David Quinn and fire him and pay somebody else for four more years, you're also crazy because he I has just, three I, years I'm left. So conf- it's not happening. Ryan, I'm so confused by it. I, I, I know, again, Tom Williams is on this podcast later, and he's going to tell you, he's going to look you dead in the eyes and say, he put $400 on the New York Rangers to win the Eastern Conference this year. God love Tom. Tom. He is in the minority. I don't think a lot of us were thinking that. We all knew we were going to be bad. And it's now like we're seeing that the Rangers are bad, and we're shocked by it. And it's it's just, it doesn't make any sense. I get it. I get that Kako is struggling. And I get that it's frustrating when a guy who, you know, two, three, four idiots build a church around isn't the second coming of Gretzky as soon as he steps on the ice. I get it, guys. I totally get it. I want Kako to dominate from day one, too. But you know what? He's fucking 18. He's struggling. 
He's playing against guys like Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, guys he's never seen that good before. This is the first time in Kako's entire career that he is getting challenged by guys that are flat out better than him. He's and been nothing he can do about it right now. The way I can describe that this doesn't mean it's David Quinn's fault. So we just got to get it out of your head. There are things we can be angry about, not just with Quinn. Here's the other thing, Ryan, and this is the last point I'll make about Quinn getting fired. I'm letting you roll, baby. You are admitting that the by saying you, the Rangers need to fire David Quinn, you are telling me that you think the Rangers front office messed up hiring him. The same front office, mind you, that gave Elaine Vino a midseason extension when one wasn't necessary. So that means the last two significant coaching decisions this front office made were flat out wrong, dead wrong, if not detrimental to the long-term health of the New York Rangers. This front office, you want this front office to attempt to hire a third coach? What about this front office has proven to you, Mr. I want David Quinn fired? I'm not talking from my own perspective. What has this front office proved to you that they will now magically get it right? So if you think David Quinn is a failure, if, if these people exist, I know about it because they're in our mentions. If you are someone listening to this podcast who think David Quinn is a failure, the person you need fired is Jeff Gordon first and foremost. Because if you're saying David Quinn is a failure, you cannot trust Jeff Gordon to make the right decision. That is what you're telling me. I disagree with that take. I don't think he's made the wrong decision yet. I'm not sold that he's made the right decision either. But if you're so angry and you think the Rangers need to fire David Quinn, why do you want to give Jeff Gordon a third opportunity to make the wrong decision? That's all that I need to know. What is what's the rationale there? My I I'll fight. I'll play devil's advocate just for a second. I don't have that good of an answer, but I think this is, would be it. Davidson was not around when Quinn was hired, and now he is. So the. So, so then you have to expect David Gordon's not Davidson's guy either. So Davidson has to clean house. That's the only when when does a when does a unless you're Brian Cashman, how many times do you get to name three coaches in one tenure? Uh, the Steelers. I think that's it. Have they had th no? Because it's, it's just been, been Mike Tomlin yeah, for been, fifteen years. It's been two. Yeah, it was just Tomlin. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's it. I just that that that's my Quinn rant. I, it's 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 idiotic. The conversations we've been having about David. We're Quinn. 25 minutes into this podcast and we haven't mentioned Heedle or Kravstov. We got a lot. To, or... we, you you wanted to keep this 30 minutes. It ain't going to be 30 minutes, bro. We got a lot to talk. about. I did not want to keep just, this to 30 minutes. <laughs> I just I got I just it 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 blows my mind. There you can be upset with individual things David Quinn does. It's allowed. In fact, I'd be concerned if you weren't. Because there's no way he's batting a thousand. It's just not true. At the same time, it is idiotic to say that literally anything else is better. Because the anything else is Lindy Ruff. It's going to be worse. And then you're asking Jeff Gordon, a guy you said who failed twice before, to try for a third time. And I don't know. Maybe it'll get better. That's just dumb. Just dumb. Now I want to talk about Tony D'Angelo because I'm pissed off. Okay, let's do it. So let's do it. Why do you why do you think he's been good, Ryan? So I can tell you, even though I kind of did some research in preparation for this, and it only hurt my case, and it made me oh, that's made interesting me, made me pretty upset because I was like I'm curious. Yeah, I I was curious too. So I went and looked at uh 
uh, hockeyreference.com and checked out some of the stats because I knew you were going to come at me hot on this. So I was like, I have to be prepared when Greg comes at me hot. Um, there are some concerning numbers for Tony D'Angelo's performances so far. Um, now, eye test-wise, I think Tony has been offensively very good. He's generated a lot of different offense. He's obviously proven himself that so much that Quinn trusts him, puts him on the first power play over Jacob Truba, who they just paid. He's he scored, I believe the stat was, I don't know, he scored multi-point games, first time as a defender since Brian Leach, uh, since like 1995 or something like that was the stat. He's been a good offensive player, but you're right. He is a defenseman. So when I went to look at some of the stats to prove my point of maybe Tony hasn't been that bad, I have I was unable to find stats to back me up that felt that felt that good. Because one of the stats I found was he has zero takeaways and 11 giveaways. And as, oh, as, as a defender, I feel like you should have takeaways because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to stop transition hockey. And he hmm. is not. And the other, thing I, the other thing I noticed when I did the research for my defense of Tony D'Angelo um, right. is that he has a very Ryan Strom-like 22% shot rate. Oh, that's uh, interesting, right? Uh, I mean, I had to assume that you, these are some of the points you were going to bring up. So uh, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy you did my work for me. I really am. It kind of takes my thunder away from me. Here's here's why I think Tony D'Angelo has stood out to you, right? This team is inept at creating offensive opportunities. If it's not if it's not Mika and if it's not Panarin, we're just not seeing it right now. That's right? correct. Or Michael Haley. Yes. Adam Adam Fox does fun things. So we see that Tony D'Angelo scores points and does fun things. So we see that I honestly, even, even with the stuff I'm about to say about Tony D'Angelo, I don't mind Tony D'Angelo on the top power play over Truba because again, Tony D'Angelo is one of the most dynamic offensive defensemen in the NHL. So much so that it is a shame. You and I haven't been calling for him to be placed on the wing because Tony D'Angelo on the wing might actually I feel, be quite interesting. I, and I know where you're going with this, and I, and I do like this. Your, your, I, actually, your bit. I actually don't think you do, because I think I got a curveball coming your way, but go Okay, on. I do like the bit of this podcast, and I'll give the, like, you had the Truba bit, and I, this is also your bit, that each year of Rangers hockey, we've had a defender that has also been a winger. We, we've, it's happened well, every, not, well, not every just year. A, a defender that we think is clearly just miscast because they score points and can't defend. This started with Nick Holden. It did. Wow. I'm losing my voice a little bit. Yes. Because I got angry about I got angry about Quinn. It started with Nick Holden because he started putting up points and just couldn't stop anything that just was in with 10 feet of them. Right. Then it and went then to we, Neil Pionk. It carried over to it went to Neil Pionk. And then Brendan Brendan Smith actually it's became a winger. Literally a forward. And then and now and now it's D'Angelo. That's correct. But here's here's the thing. Here's why Give me a curveball. Here's here's why you like Tony D'Angelo. He's a pitcher that can hit. He's he's Micah Owings. He's Michael Lorenzen. And for Met fans, he's Steve Traxel. Wow, P- we P- all nobody like knows guy. who those people are except for like maybe six people listening and me. But- Everybody likes the pitcher who can hit because it's something the pitcher shouldn't be able to do, right? When the pitcher gets up, it's like the best case, the best case scenario for this is you get Madison Bumgarner, who's both a great pitcher and a great hitter. It's considered an advantage when you have a good hitting pitcher in the national league, because you're not giving up the ninth at bat of your batting order as an automatic out. You are extending your lineup while also not uh, replacing the pitcher every inning that he pitches at the same time. The reason why I invoke the names, Michael Owings and Michael Lorenzen 
is because like Tony D'Angelo, those guys are bad pitchers. So it doesn't it doesn't matter how flashy and excited you get about Tony D'Angelo, the offensive player in the offensive zone. If you're going to play Tony D'Angelo defensive minutes, he has to be able to defend. I'm not even saying he has to win a fucking Norris. He doesn't. But Brad Marchand literally had enough time to triple deke Henrik Lundqvist with D'Angelo just standing in front of him last night. Tony D'Angelo is, and look, we're not breaking any news with this. He's a defensive sieve. He's not good in his defensive zone. And it is hard to play defensive players that are not good defending their own zone. The, it is very difficult. My, my counterpoint to that is that it's very hard to find talented defensive players who also have the offensive capability that Tony D'Angelo has. Like, Sure, unless you're the New York Rangers. If you're any other team, it is hard to find. The Rangers are a team that has Adam Fox and Jacob Truba. They don't need Tony D'Angelo's offense from the blue line. I, they don't. I, they, uh, it's, it's still hard to find that. I, I do think they're hoping and maybe praying that he develops some sort of defensive ability because it, he does have it sometimes. You're right. He was embarrassed. But I, the whole team was embarrassed versus Boston. I think either sometimes well, that, 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 that embarrassed this, this was while the Rangers were still trying to be competitive. Yeah. Well, it, but here's long. Ryan, you are not alone having this thought. I have seen many other people of whose opinion I respect say Tony D'Angelo has been one of the big positives for the New York Rangers this year. I am as happy as everybody else that Tony D'Angelo is scoring points. His play in the offensive zone has been great. Tony D'Angelo has not done a single thing to prove to me that he is a guy the Rangers need to worry about building around or even being part of this team next year. If Tony D'Angelo is a restricted free agent again, and some people, Joe Fortunato, have said stuff like, the Rangers are going to have to start worrying about the price tag Tony D'Angelo is going to carry as a restricted free agent next year. Do they? I don't think so. Tony D'Angelo is still very firmly the third most important right-handed defenseman the Rangers have. They will be fine offensively when the other skilled players improve because they have Adam Fox and Jacob Truba who are perfectly capable offensive-minded defensemen in the offensive zone who, by the way, are better at defending their own zone than well, Tony Fox, D'Angelo. Fox out-defends Tony D'Angelo like six ways a Sunday. It's... Fox has been – you can make a case that outside of Mika and Panarin that Fox has been the best Ranger this year. He's incredible. And I, I honestly don't think you could put a third Ranger before him. So it's like people are saying the Rangers need to start worrying about the price tag Tony D'Angelo has, and I hear you not so much parroting it, but at the same time saying that D'Angelo has been this shining point for the New York Rangers – I, I just couldn't disagree well, more. When you said this, I, that's why I did the deep dive and kind of looked in. And I, and I hate to kind of almost criticize myself here. And yeah, say it. Wait, say it. Just no, say, say, say the magic words, Ryan. Say the magic words. You know what they are. That's not, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I'm looking at the stats. Um, and, uh, one of the, and, and one of the stats I was looking at that kind of that was one of the more concerning for me and one of the things that Quinn was sort of preaching. How many hits does Tony D'Angelo have this year? I just don't give a shit, but tell me. One. That's it. That's not good I enough. Hate, I hate that. No, I, what, what do you mean that's not good? That's a dumb stat. I know it's dumb. Get that and that's stat why, I, that's why I'm criticizing myself. Because I know it's a dumb stat, but I, I still want to see more, like, toughness. I know that's so stupid. No, that's, stop. Because hits don't, hits don't equal toughness. Hits equals it's, putting I, people I off it. the puck. That that actually yeah Tony D'Angelo Tony D'Angelo needs to become a better one on one defender and we're at a point in his development where it's shit or get off the pot time 
And quite honestly, I think he's getting off the pot. So here's what I, I will just, say, and here's the word you semi-want to hear, Greg. I, I just want you to say I'm right because I am. I will say you were half right because I think no, I, I will take our good friend and coworker, Shana Goldman, words. We're both right in this situation where he has been offensively talented, and that's what I was saying was good. And you were correct that he's been struggling defensively. So both of us are correct. I don't think I've been saying he's struggling. I think he's flat out bad defensively. Hmm. I think there's a difference. Struggling, struggling would indicate that I think he could be better. That I think he's in a rut. That I think what we're seeing from him right now is not indicative of the play I expect of Tony D'Angelo. I think what we're seeing from Tony D'Angelo right now is the best case scenario for Tony D'Angelo. Where you're hoping his offensive abilities make up for his defensive limitations. At the same time, I'm sorry. I, I, this can't be the same fan base that criticizes Kevin Shattenkirk every two seconds because he's not good enough in his own defensive zone and then just gets hard at the thought of Tony D'Angelo possessing the puck. Tony what? D'Angelo isn't good enough defensively. So it's that it, that's it. I think that's the end of the conversation. I understand the Rangers' struggle at creating scoring opportunities, and I understand that Tony D'Angelo, when he has the puck in the offensive zone, he is one of the few guys on this Ranger roster that can create offense. At the same time, he's what we call in the business, Ryan, a net negative because he is not good enough defensively to sustain that kind of offensive output. I will, it just ain't there. My, it ain't there. My counterpoint is I believe he has the ability to gain 20% of that and become a suitable defender. And his offensive ability will make up for his defensive liabilities. Now, I will simply I will simply state that we it, Tony D'Angelo has been in the NHL long enough where we simply do not have the evidence to support that take. That is correct because the development curve stops around like 24 or whatever it is. Um as ridiculous as that is and sad for all you people listening because I'm 30 now uh and we've been doing this podcast for 4 years and it hasn't gotten any better. Now, I think it's time we kind we kind of hit on Kravstov with with Tom in the interview. Do you want to go over that at all? Because I feel like I could talk about it for the next five hours. I, I think it's simple, and I, I understand where Tom's coming from, and it, it's a take we've heard from a number of fans, and people will hear Tom's take. He's nineteen. He was the young one of the youngest, if not the youngest player in the AHL. If Kravstov were to go back to the AHL next year, he'd be the youngest player in that league again. It's very rare for teenagers to be playing in the AHL. If Kravtsov feel, feels more comfortable playing in Russia, then he should be playing in Russia. Because here's the thing. It's, the KHL has to honor his NHL contract. The Rangers can recall him at any time. Kravtsov didn't do anything in Hartford to prove that he should be up. Regardless of what Brendan Smith does or doesn't do in the NHL, Kravtsov didn't do anything in Hartford to cry out that he was worthy of being in the Rangers lineup. Filipino did, and that's why he's back. So it's just like, I'm fine with it. And I think everyone should be fine with it. He's a kid. He's 19. I agree. Uh, but it, it did give me some sort of solemn feeling where I just, it, it was a really bad feel. I know that he can come back at any single point. I know the Instagram stuff is crap. Uh, that he just deleted all his all of his posts and people yeah, were really I, digging I, I, I that. I gotta tell you, I'm not, I'm never, ever, 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 ever gonna try and get into the mind of a teenager and how they use Instagram. Not gonna do it, Ryan. It's probably a have good you idea. seen his 
I made this point today. Have you seen his Twitter account? His Twitter headline photo is still him inside MSG in a Ranger jersey. And his last tweet is a retweet of him in a Ranger jersey. You didn't get rid of those. Yeah, that's you good. just forget, probably. You know why he forgot? Because he's a fucking teenager, Ryan. This point. I think he'll be back. I think he comes back at the deadline. Last thing, and then we'll go to our interview for the day. I feel like it's so much. We, we should talk Heedle. That's what we're talking about. Oh, sweet. Um, and we, Well, to a lesser point, we should also talk Lindgren. I actually think Lindgren's the more interesting point. Well, Heedle is uh, is, isn't that interesting because Mika got hurt. He's day-to-day. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Hedo comes up. We don't know where he's going to be in the line. He might go to the fourth line, pushing Leas up, which would be very interesting. Um, I don't think that's what happens. I think Hedo starts on the third or the second. I, that's probably where it ends up going. You probably know this already by the time you've heard it. Um, and uh, hello, you okay? Um, and no, then that's okay. That makes sense. I just think with with Hedo in general, I'm excited to see what he could bring. I hope he centers Kako. I wanted that's the line I want to see most of the year. I would like to see them develop together. I think that's a really important part of both of their development. I'm excited for Heedle. I think he's earned his way back up. But like you said, I don't think he's the more interesting call-up. He's exciting, but there's really not a lot to talk about with Heedle, right? He earned his right to come back up. He played his ass off, and now he's here. Lindgren is a whole other story. Because... Yeah, just just, just to add to your Heedle point, look, this is a team that preaches being able to practice with certain players before getting thrust into a role. So I will sit here and say that I will be pleasantly surprised if Heedle is anywhere in the Rangers lineup besides the third or fourth line against the Lightning. It would be a welcome development. Um, But simply put, offensively speaking for this team, the New York Rangers are a better team with Ryan Strom on the wing simply because it means Michael Haley isn't playing the wing. The Rangers lineup gets deeper with Heedle at center, it allows Strom, who is on a bit of a heater himself right now, to play on wing, which I think is his more natural position and the position we would like to see him play anyway. So it the Rangers' offensive lineup gets better simply with Heedle being here, and I think it would be interesting to see where Heedle lines up on this weekend, coming up this weekend, and it'll be interesting to see where Heedle lines up when Zibanejad's healthy then I think we'll be able to fully take stock of what we expect him to be able to do the rest of the season for New York. It's the thing. Lindgren. Yeah, let's go to Lindgren because with, with Hedl, it's just, I, I just hope he stays up. That's all. I know there's a chance he gets called back down, but I just hope he stays. That's all. I don't, I, I think if this was a merely one game fill the gap, I do think they would have brought Nieves up. I, I think this is more, they understand they seem to understand better than most that you don't yo-yo young players. If Heedle's here, he's going to play, and he's going to stay. So I I would have enough faith in the coaching staff and management to know that um, if, he's, if he's here, he's not going back down immediately. Lindgren, does Mark Stahl sit? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> should should well, it, it, This, this conversation I'm, is I'm laughing. twofold, right? It is because you could play both Lindgren and Hijack, who's been also pretty terrible, if I'm being honest. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, unfairly, I think a little, uh, not even unfairly, not I really just unfairly think, at all. I think Brooks has said no, some I, nice things about him that have skewed some people, and I don't think that has really been the case. I think he's been hardly well, I serviceable. Think, I think, in a way, and I know these guys are connected at the hip because they were both included in the Ryan McDonough trade, but in a way, 
it's like Heedle is suffering a little bit from Brett Howden syndrome where he's always working. When he's on the ice, he's always trying to make the right play. And it and right now he's see where where you would say where where I refuse to say D'Angelo was struggling, I would say Hayek is struggling. Uh because I do expect him to play better defensively than he's playing right now. See, I think he's just been showing his AHL sort of stats and he has I just I, I think it's one of those things where the it's one of it, it's something our our good friend Rick Carpinello talks about where hey, the athletic.com slash Hayek doesn't have the protection from forwards that the Rangers have had before because the Rangers are super young and the skill isn't there at forward either. So it's like when Hayek isn't playing with a Kevin Hayes, who is a solid two-way hockey player, you're putting more responsibility on Hayek. And it's he's just not ready to handle that responsibility. And it's not to say he will never be ready to handle that responsibility. It's just to say right now, he sure as hell ain't ready to handle it. And that's fine. He's 21 years old. I don't need him to be ready at 21 years old. I don't need him to be a finished product at 21. But even then, he is struggling. And it's it's the same point I had about Kako when I was fine with Quinn moving Kako down the lineup when he's struggling. You don't want young players to always be struggling because that stunts their growth. I don't believe... You just throw minutes blindly at kids and don't take into account how the kids are playing. I think right now Hayek is playing poorly. I don't think Hayek needs a three-week vacation to Hartford to turn his game around. I think keeping him in the NHL is smart. But if he's struggling and the only way to get him out of the lineup is by playing another young player who, by the way, has looked impressive to start the year in Hartford, do it. Two birds, one stone. And it... Again, we say all this knowing the easy and correct answer is benchmark stall. It it doesn't even have to be benchmark stall on a permanent basis, right? How many times on this podcast have you and I said about stall and Dan Girardi where playing stall, if you have three games in one week, playing him only twice? We've talked about benefit this everybody. endlessly, especially endlessly. Dan Girardi, <clears throat> um, that – those players would suit, would benefit in so many different ways from just taking a night off. Sit down. Have a great time. Mark Stahl looks great at the beginning of the season. Do you know what he hasn't looked great? The other times this season when he doesn't have his legs underneath him. So I just, I would like if they were to be able to rotate these players, and I just don't think that's going to be the case. I hope it is. But Lindgren, well, I'm excited to see. It's a, it's a player while, that... While it, all I'm going to say is it does benefit to ro- at least be rotating Hayek and Lindgren. Right. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. It it makes perfect sense. It, it makes perfect sense to rotate. Period. We would hope more players are included. Not even more players. Just Mark Stahl is included in this rotation. There is no scenario. I think where the Rangers should be taking Fox, Shea, Truba. Hell, um, honestly, I wouldn't. I won't care if D'Angelo gets a day off for Lindgren. I really won't. I would. I don't care. think it makes that much of a difference. It matters to me. But. Fox, Trubachet, those three should be the three that by no means are rotated. It should be Stahl, number one. It should be Hayek, number two, because he seems overmatched right now. And then you you go from there. But it this I don't know. It just it is frustrating that I there are benefits to playing veteran to giving veteran players days off. There are clear benefits to doing it. It's in every sport we talk about giving veteran players days off. We criticize the Yankees for not skipping CC Sabathia, right? Something like that. Or we criticize, uh, what's a football? Ex- football is a bad example because they're only 16 games. Listen, Greg, um, I, I think this whole season, and people have this 
sort of thought that this year was about was about competitiveness, right? And that kind of comes up in our interview in a second. But this year is about development. That's all it's ever been about is development. So the fact that Lingritz gets called up and the fact that Hedl gets called up is a giant step towards the development year. Now, I think I'd be in a much worse mood if those things didn't happen because I thought about this podcast all weekend. I know how crazy and psycho that is, but I thought about what the hell I was going to say about Kraftstop going back. How was I going to deal with this mu- this Sunday night loss? It, tr- a truly awful, maybe the most miserable Ranger game I've watched in years. Just an awful watching experience. Everything about it bad. The Hank penalty, the non-coaching calls, the giving up, everything. But the fact that they're making these changes and hopefully stick with them shows me that they're like, okay, it's time to develop. And if they do that and start sitting Mark Stahl or rotating a linker in with other players, I think they're taking a step in the right direction. And I think... That's what we should be looking for. The development of these players is the goal of this year. And that's it. It is not to be competitive. And it will end there. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, do you know what I did yesterday, Gregory? What'd you do? Besides get ready for our five-star questions, which, by the way, if you want to give a five-star question on the show, you can leave a five-star review on iTunes, search Bush Breakaway, and we will answer your questions on the show. And we will be answering those, those questions today. After our interview with Tom of Straight from the Path. Now, what I did yesterday, Gregory, it was rainy. I don't know how it was by you. Pretty shitty out, if I'm being honest. And I was uh, probably I was sitting around and waiting for the Ranger game. And I just, in my pajamas, and just, it was a long day. You know, tough. I drove back from Philadelphia. You know how that is. So, you know what I did? I went on, I went on Google. And I searched Chinese food. And I ordered DoorDash. That's right, Gregory. That's a native ad. You could be in your sweatpants all day. You're sick. You're motivated. Leftover frozen pizza. You don't want to eat that. You go on. You go on DoorDash. You can order restaurant quality food from your living room, and in your dress code, which is sweatpants, which is exactly what I did on the rainy day. You pretty much what I did was I went on Google. I went on DoorDash. I ordered Chinese food. It showed up. You can order DoorDash right now, and our listeners get five dollars off their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BSB. So that it's just that simple. That's $5 off first order when you download DoorDash app from the App Store and enter pro, uh, pro- promo code BSB. If you'd be so kind to do that and provide yourself with a nice takeout meal. I don't know about you. I like to order burritos. I like to order Chinese food. I like to order pizza. I like to order literally anything. You, by the way, and I guess this is the best way to do this. Popeye's not a sponsor of the Bushers Breakaway, but chicken sandwich is back. DoorDash at your house. All right. Let's get over to the interview. I don't know if you have any thoughts on DoorDash, Greg. Probably not. Uh, I like DoorDash. Don't forget, promo code is BSP. $5 off first order, $15 or more. Okay, let's go to our our interview with Tom of Straight from the Path. He breaks the F-bomb record and talks all things Rangers. Transition. Hey, we have a very special guest this week. Joining us is uh, the guitarist of Straight from the Path, a hardcore band from Long Island, Long Island. Thomas Williams, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, uh, I'm... I'm honored to be on here. Wow. Uh, you know, I do a lot of a lot of uh, podcasts and interviews. And honestly, for like the past month, we've been doing them to support our new album. And it's just like, you know, I could only talk about the same shit. You know, now I'm allowed to come with like hot takes on like Mark Stahl. Stuff, yeah. We're going to my kind of shit. <laughs> we're going to do like a two minute version of those interviews you've done for the past month. Yeah. Uh, pretty yeah. much where I'm yeah. going to say you're on tour right now with uh, – with counterparts, right? I think that's correct. And you guys yes, are going to be at the Gramercy Theater in New York City, tw- the November 22nd. Doors are at 6 p.m. If you guys want to go, tickets are available online. Their new album, Internal Atomic. Uh, Internal Atomics? Hmm? 
That's correct. Uh, so, yeah, okay, cool. Comes out November 1st. Uh, you guys kind of went back to sort of an old style or more including style from what I read. Uh, and also I listened to Kickback, one of the new singles, and this new single that dropped today. If you're not first or last, or what was – I forgot which one it's called. The, uh, here it is. The first will be last. First there you go. Last, yeah. First will be last. And uh, yeah. both of them yeah. – uh, Kickback truly bangs it. It's now on my uh, gym playlist, so I've been really enjoying the album <laughs> so far. Uh, so Hell if you yeah. guys are interested at all – Go check out the new album. Drops November 1st. It's going to be pretty much on everything streaming. I, did I do a great job plugging you? I mean, that plug was so fucking sick. I'm very <laughs> psyched. Like, I'm sure the tickets and album sales just went up a bit, and I'm actually serious, like, not even joking. It's funny, too, because when you posted that I was going to be on the podcast, like, yeah. you know, I saw, like, I don't know, seven or eight people that were like, oh, fuck yeah, like, that's sick. I was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's that's go. What I'm talking about. Let's you know? go. I might, I've, <laughs> I've been teetering on the fence of coming to the November 22nd show uh, in my full Kapop attire and just stage diving. Yeah. And throwing down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll be I mean, you won't be able to stage dive because it's a pretty big gap. Okay, but uh, oh, there's I mean, a there's a fence. Come, okay, you got my number now. You hit you hit you hit me up, and I got you guys. I will text you, and we will make it out. Uh, I think me, and my friend Nick, will be in the area, and my girlfriend and I will be there. So uh, I'll let you know. Hit you Beautiful. up. But uh, let's talk Rangers. It's enough cool. enough about your band, I guess. Um, yeah, but enough about that bullshit. <laughs> that bullshit. All right, so you, let, let's get into the, the nitty gritty of it. You came into the season thinking sure. what? Because there's there's many different mindsets. They're like, we got Panarin, we got Truba. You came in thinking mm. we're going to be a contender. Are we rebuilding? What? Where? Where's your mindset heading into the season before everything happened? Okay. Mm-hmm. My my friend uh, and I for the past. Uh, I, I think since 2015, me and my friend Joe have been putting either one to two hundred dollars on the Rangers to win the Stanley Cup <laughs> before the season starts. So, like, and our 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 logic is, hey, if they win it once in the ten years, then we're good. We fucking make money, you know. So we've been doing that, right? Obviously, last season was a heartbreaking season. Um, that is what it is. I knew it in my fucking bones that Panarin and Truba were coming. And there are a lot of people that could back that up. I actually made a bet with a friend of mine in the beginning of last season. And because my friend is an Islanders fan, unfortunately. Sorry. And he told me, and the, his bet was, I was talking about how Panarin is coming to the Rangers and it's not even a debate. Like I, there, was, there wasn't even a, a thought in my mind that he wasn't. And he goes, yeah, it looks like, um, the Kings are, are probably going to be up there. So, like, the bet was, uh, you know, he had the Islanders, I had the Rangers, um, and then he had the Kings, and then I and I had the Panthers, and then whichever he signed with, that other person to buy me a jersey. So that's, like, how sure I was. This was, like, fucking 12 to 18 months ago. So I was like, okay, he's coming. Truba, he's coming, too. He should have came a while ago, but he's coming this time, too. Um and then they got that draft pick. And then I told my friend, I was like, the second those fucking odds come out, like, before, which was before free agency, I'm dumping. Like, I'm going to dump it on there because I just had the feeling. Um, so I, I think I put like two, uh, we put $400 on them to win the Eastern Conference this year. <laughs> we didn't go Stanley Cup. We went Eastern Conference <laughs> because it was like, it was like 60 to one odds or something. Yeah. So I was like, dude, I'm telling you. And now, uh, well, before the season started, and then they got Panarin, they got Kako, they got uh, Truba, uh, it like went to like 30. So it like cut in half or something crazy like that. So obviously I felt fucking great. Um, and to be honest, like I know New York fans, like they love 
hitting the panic button. Um, and that was one thing I wanted to say before we get in here, which I, I think I know a good amount about you two, but like the only thing that's going to cause me to hang the fuck up on this thing is if anyone says anything about how Lundquist should not be on this team. That's just, Oh, you're not, you're, you're in the right place. So you're fine. Good. Cause I, I have, <laughs> I have a dialed up bias about this because people, when anyone, and this includes my father says that he should be traded which they don't understand that he has a no movement like at all. And nope. he's already been said like, yo, do you want to be traded? Because here's what we're doing. And he's already said, Hey, I'm with the team. Like, okay. So he's not going anywhere, even if the team or he wanted to go, but all these people that talk about trading this guy, Unbelievable that's stuff. like an instant, like blood boiling topic for me. Uh, Gre- so, Greg, I'm sure, I'm sure. Up. Yeah. I'm sure Greg can handle that part. Cause he, we've talked and defended the Lundquist. Uh, he's deserve every, he, if he can stay as long as he wants, that's just what it is. It doesn't matter how good Igor is; he's earned that right. I, I will. Absolutely. I will say there's a part of me that is not happy that Lundquist haters exist. It's just it's always life affirming to know that you're smarter than people. So knowing <laughs> yeah, that those people are out there every day, living, breathing, trying to eat, <laughs> and just to know that no matter what happens in my life, I will never be that dumb. It's 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 yeah. it's really reaffirming. But you know what, get, what upsets me though is like. That's what I thought about Islander fans. And I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, like, you know, an Islander fan is like, see, here's how I am with hockey. I love all the teams, okay? You could open up my closet, and it literally looks like a children's closet. I have, like, 103 jerseys, <laughs> exactly, like, of a lot of different teams, right? I'd say a good 30% of them are Rangers. So, like, I fucking love it, like, to an, to an unusually obsessive, like, degree. So, um, I can go and say, like, man, Barzal is sick. Okay, I could go and say, man, Nico Heischer, he could fucking play. You know what I mean? I could go and unbiasedly say this shit because I'm not an idiot, okay? But then I talk with, like, Islander fans, and I'm like, man, Lundqvist, he's one of the best of all time. And they go, oh, Queen Lundqvist? No, he's not. He sucks. And I'm like, oh, man, I am going to start throwing hands because that shit just boils my blood because there's just no logic behind it. So now I hear Ranger fans start to sound like that and it makes me upset you no know, like, it, they're just they're upset because we're not winning now and we've won because yeah. of him and by the way and i don't want to yeah. make this clear we'd be much worse if he didn't exist right now and which seems impossible oh yeah but it's oh, actually it's oh, actually yeah. true according to some uh, some mm-hmm. good friends from our Sean, our friend sean tierney uh the only reason the rangers are even on the charts he makes is because henrik lundquist exists so uh, and anyone who thinks those sort of things uh, can really not talk to me ever again. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm glad. And I've listened to enough episodes to know that you guys are there too. And like, but I just wanted to say, I don't know if anything's changed in the last couple of weeks. Because good. I know, again, a lot of people hit the panic button, but that's my guy. And I'm just, I'll, well, I'll, I'll hear none of it, you know? That's, that's, that's an interesting thing I want to get with you. And it's something that Ryan and I have definitely talked about at length. Do you think, is there a difference between hitting the panic button and people just assuming the Rangers were going to be better than this? Because I personally felt like what we're seeing from the Rangers, none of it's that surprising, is it? No. Um, here's what I think, um, and it's, I think it's unpopular. I think the St. Louis Blues showed you a lot of everyone just chill the fuck out, you know? Um, I think even the New York Mets, should show people like sometimes chill the fuck out because even when it's fucking dark, dude, like when it's fucking dark, like there's still like, we know that there are like Pete Alonzo's on our team, right? We know that there's Jeff McNeil's on our team. Um, You know what I mean? Like we know there's Conforto's on our team. So it's like, 
I, I, I'm not that worried. I mean, it, it's like less than 10 games now. It's like, man, there's like fucking 70 games left. Like, they're still figuring their shit out, you know? Like, obviously the stuff with Mika does not help, and I really hope – I don't know if anything's come out about it. I mean, I saw Heedle got called up. He'll, he'll so be day-to-day, day, right, is, gonna... is the report currently. Okay, okay. Um, so, look, I, uh, you know, I've seen – like, I think there was maybe the first time – it was might have been preseason, or maybe it was the first regular season game. But uh, no, it's preseason because I remember it was Joe, uh, Ken Danico, and maybe it was uh, Sam and John Giannone. So I think that was the uh, that was the lineup of the thing, and it was the first Ranger power play against the Devils, and the passing, the shooting, and like it was just like electric that you could hear Joe and Ken Danico being like, oh, oh. Oh, like they're like they're like watching it, like like what am I looking? <laughs> and I think that alone shows me that this can be turned around in a heartbeat. I really do think that. Um, and I think to show that Lundqvist still has a pulse. I mean, you saw it yesterday him getting pissed off. I fucking live for that. Where if they're gonna get their ass kicked by a good team, then okay, whatever. But at least he's out there throwing checks and shit. Where I'm just like, hell yeah, this guy still got the fight, and he's not giving up. He knows it, you know. I think Panarin has showed you that this dude is probably the most electric player that's not a goalie that we've had in, I mean, I guess since Yager, maybe, maybe even before that, because like this dude is all over the place. He's an absolute animal. And like, you know, for, for the past five to 10 years, um, it's been like, you know, when there's an NBC game and they always take like, the the stars and it'll be like you know if it's a caps rangers game it'll be like ovechkin versus mcdonough yep. you know like it's one yep. of that or if it's, that was oh, a good impression it's, it's by the way crosby <laughs> <laughs> thank you crosby versus lundquist like ah oh, you know it's always that mcdonough or it's lundquist it's never panarin it's never zabanajad and i think this year it's like yo i get it we got lundquist i get it we got truba but look at panarin now that dude's a fucking maniac zabanajad is a fucking maniac like that is like to me, that just shows me that we're like even if this this season's a wash and my four hundred bucks in the toilet, like it shows me that that bet's gonna clear one day because they are fucking, they got they got like a swagger to it, you know. And I love what I see from like from Fox, from Tony D'Angelo, like it's gonna be there. It really is, and I really believe that. I think that they're still figuring out their five and six on the D, um, but uh, you know I, I I don't hate what I've seen so far. Like I haven't seen them. Like, like even when they get their ass kicked, like they did last night, they they were still, (laughs) yeah, but they were still fucking pissed off about it. You know what I mean? So that makes me be like, you know, they're fucking out there. Lundquist is fucking throwing shit. He's fucking pissed off. It shows like I'm mad and I never want to lose like that again. And I'm going to go to practice tomorrow and I'm going to make sure I don't. Well, Lundquist took practice off today because he had an upper body injury, a.k.a. he was pissed. Um, I think he was, I think he was totally fine, but um, I, yeah. I think there was a lot, there was sort of a lack of fight in the second period last night. And then obviously they fought back in the third after getting totally embarrassed. And we talked about this earlier yeah. on the show, but the, the yeah. team, the team in general, just, um, it has the pieces. People have heard me say this a million times. I think we have one more year of, uh, sort of, I don't want to call it tanking, but, uh, the top yeah. four for next year are loaded, like out of its goddamn mind. And getting one of Agreed. those guys would really change the rest of our decade. Like, the 2020s would be quite good for us if we got one of those four. Because we would just be Panarin, Mika, one of the top four, Kako, uh, Kravtsov, when he eventually comes back over after this whole epidemic. 
and then we have Fox yeah. and some uh, and Igor, and you're ready to run. Like we have the building blocks. <laughs> yep. Um, once, once, once an episode. I say this is things. completely unrelated to everything we're saying. It's just once an episode. It's great to hear Ryan use a word where he he's definitely thinking of another word, <laughs> but that word sounds correct. Like you we, epidemic. You know what's funny? Kravstov? This isn't an epidemic. <laughs> you know what's funny? We what, did, are, what are you talking about? We did. We, this isn't this isn't a countrywide on. disease. You're right. For me, it is. But we did say this is. It's so funny you say this. The last time I did this, I said the exact same word, and we had this exact same conversation. And I promised I wouldn't do it again. And here we are. So great, great job by me. I'm glad that I'm employed by the athletic. It's an aw- it's awesome. But yeah, as, as I was saying, we have the building blocks for the future, but we're just not there yet. Yeah, it's it's. It's there. I have never seen a Rangers power play like they have right now. Honestly, maybe in my life. I literally just can't remember one. You know what I mean? Like, when I try to think back, I think Drury, Gomez, Yager, Shanahan. Nope. That, nope. You know what I mean? Like, not, not going to happen. Like, last year's wasn't great. This year, I'm just like, when we get a power play, like, I, I, I'm expecting them to score. When um, the other way around, I was always like, you know, fuck me. Like, these guys can't get it together. They're just standing there passing back with each other. You know what I mean? Now it's like I can, I'm, like, watching them, and I'm, like, starting to sweat because of how good it looks. So, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, we, of- we, did, we said earlier this year we had to retire the maybe the Rangers should decline the penalty jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, because that was so weird. Like, last year they played, like, better five-on-five five than they did on the power play. I'm like, what? What is wrong with you? you that know? was like the last um, five years. It was constantly like that, where it was like, oh, no, the Rangers are on the penalty, the other team's going to score. I think one year we let up like I know. shorthanded goals like five times in three weeks. It was awesome. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I mean, can't remember the last time it was an actual threat, you know? Like I, I, I want it to be where it's like you draw a penalty against the Caps, you're fucked. You draw a penalty against the, the Lightning, you're fucked. You know what I mean? Like I want that, and I feel like they're starting to get that shit together. So, Thomas, you've been part of like sort of – some sort of culture to, you know, being an abandoned, all that for all these years. Uh, and I'm sure you're, you're pretty active on the Instagram. What would you make of Vitaly uh, Kravtsov deleting all of his Instagram pictures except six? Huh. Because that's what he did. You're not going to want it. All rage of material is gone, Tom. It's all gone. Yeah. You're not going to hear what I want to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I don't, are you are either of you guys wrestling fans at all? Uh, I, uh, yes. We are working on the okay. Yes. Okay. So what Vitaly Kravtsov has done is what I like to call a heel turn. Um, and he turned heel on me so bad where I'm just like, I can't help but be like, you know what? Fuck this dude. Like, <laughs> I really, I, because he played in the, in the preseason and I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I'm sorry. I didn't. Um, and then he went to the AHL and, you know, he's crying about it. And I'm like, Yo, like, like, how many games did you give this? Like, you're, like, he just, he quit on himself to go somewhere where he knew he could play. Like, to me, that's a weak move. You know what move I like to see from my rookies? I like to see a guy get a fucking silver medal put around his goddamn neck, and he says, fuck this piece of shit, and he throws it over the goddamn glass. And you know what? What I see, that, that's called a face turn. You know, like that's where I was like, I want fucking Leah Sanderson on my team because that's the fight I want. I don't want, oh, the, the coaches are giving me like typical uh, coach stuff. I'm going back to Russia. Like, and I'm going to delete my Instagram pics. Like, dude, you sound like a child. Um, 
And I get he is a child. Technically, yes. But <laughs> of course. But, but but he is. And but I have but I got Kako. You know what I mean? It's like and I know Kako, he go you know what his response is? Hey, I'm here and I'm trying, but I want to be on the top line. Like, give me the fucking top line. I want it. Kako is also like, yes. famous for being like, I'm not playing well right now all the time. That's like his favorite Absolutely. line. <laughs> you know, and, and I love and, and I love his like his like uh, he scores in overtime in preseason. Or in the in Traverse City maybe, yeah. and he's just like, oh, my coach told me in, in overtime, don't pass, shoot. So I did. Fuck yes, I fucking love this guy. Yes, okay, Leah Anderson, take this fucking silver medal and put it in the fucking garbage. Get this away from me. That's my guy. Kravtsov, oh, I'm going back to Russia. I was like, dude, this dude stinks. I get it, he's ranked high, but I I was so pissed off about this. Like, how did you give up? Like, do what Heedle did. Heedle didn't make it. He went down there, and he's fucking tearing it up. I actually, like, there I, you go. Guess what? Here, I've heard no Heedle quotes about him being, like, you know, a, a distasteful about anything. Just went down, played his ass off, destroyed, and now he's back up. So I guess that's, that's the right way to do it. The door's open. Guess who's the first one fucking waiting there? Because he, should, he just went, okay, I didn't make it. Wasn't good enough. I'll just going to go down there and, and own it. And he did. And Kravtsov was invisible. Well, Honestly, also benched multiple games. So uh, we'll yeah. we'll see what happens. The Rangers do have the rights to recall him at any point in time, supposedly, hmm. um, so that he could come back this season. My guess is after the trade deadline. Um, once Kreider's gone, oh, I guess we should talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you uh, uh, are you are, are you a Kreider truther that he will be gone, or uh, what? What do you? Uh, what, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, I talk about it a lot with a couple of my friends and. I was a big, like, don't trade him. Like, he's got one more year. Like, let's see what we got first. And, you know, like, um, and I get it. He scored. Uh, what did he score? Did he score yesterday? Yeah, he scored. Like, it, it was like a, it, the game was over kind of scored goal. Yeah, it was his first goal. Yeah, I, I honestly turned it off because I was at a show. And if, if the game isn't competitive, I, I, I got to go, you know? I, um, listen, but, uh, you sh- I'm, I'm jealous that you turned it off. I watched the entire thing. <laughs> it was miserable. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, like if I was, you know, working in sports journalism, I wouldn't have turned it off either. So I get that. But I'm a musician, and if I had to go change my fucking guitar strings, I, I ain't gonna miss that for fucking to watch, you know, Marshand, you know, say, saying we work, saying we work in sports journalism is probably the most the nicest thing anyone's the, ever the, said. Not just the <laughs> nicest thing, but also like the most untrue thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, big time bloggers. Stroke my boy's ego. You know, a bit. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, I'm here for a stroke, stroke away, buddy. Yeah, please but do. Time, I'm, stro- I'm, like... I'm a stroker. I'm a stroker. Um, <laughs> but no, like, honestly, like, I was a big tech. Don't trade him. Like, let's see what the team's got because maybe he's going to be more valuable. And, you know, worst comes worse. He has a great season. And then you still trade him high or you keep him. Whatever. Um, and it's just like – now, I've talked about, like, the highs of the season. Like, but, like, the lows for me, man, is he's up there for, for me so far. Like, I've just been a little disappointed. Um, and not to get off Kreider right away because I just – I kind of don't really know yet how I feel. I mean, I've, I've always liked him. Like, you know, I can't, I, I, I'm never tired of him turning on the Jets and fucking, you know, John G, uh, Joe fucking Micheletti, like having an orgasm on the on fucking TV. Like, that's awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll watch that all day. But, you know, like, uh, I mean, why? I don't understand Brandon, Brendan Smith. Like, I don't even know why he's on the team. And now he's playing forward. Are you kidding me? We, we you know can I mean? actually, like, I what think is that about? you're okay. So the one thing you did say is you'll hang up with the, if the Hank stuff. And I understand that. I think Greg and I are Brandon yeah. Smith truthers. Now, is it a smart idea? Okay. No. Uh, but has he been the problem at all? Absolutely not. He's actually on pace no, for like no an chance. 80 point season. 
he like is playing surprisingly <laughs> i know i'm just saying he's playing surprisingly let me, no, 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 well no. Let, let me let me let me let me fix that go ahead okay so he isn't playing bad he honestly his work along the boards he gets pucks in the corners like he fucking working his ass off so i don't want to personally say anything about brandon smith having said that <laughs> is our fucking future in brendan smith as a forward now no. you know like the talk was this dude's out of here okay like he's gone he, like and then he's there and he's playing forward and Kravtsov's out and Heedle's killing it but he's not up and leah sanderson's playing with michael haley i'm like what the fuck is happening so let you me, know like this is the shit i can't wrap my head around let me help you let me let me reach my okay, hands out do. and grab yours because please, what please, if i please. told you before the season and you just agreed with me he was worthless. He was gone. He was going to be bought out, right? But now, mm -hmm. instead of buying him out and putting him on the cap, we've created a ton of value for Brandon Smith and possibly a draft pick of maybe the fourth, the fifth round kind because he can play PK. He can play third line defensive, defenseman, and you've just shown he's a sort of offensive player who is very versatile. So instead of buying him out, you're literally saving yourself the money and possibly gaining yourself a draft pick, which you were not doing before. Yes, you're hurting development for, for how long? Two, three months. That's it. Sure. If that happens, I understand. Um, but we'll, I just – We'll get back to it's you. It's hard for me to <laughs> – I'll be waiting. It's just hard for me to wrap my head around it, honestly. Like, there's that, like um, – and I've, I feel really, like, weird about how I feel about Brady Shea. Um, Uh-oh. And then I'm like, actually, Saul is I'm, still here. I'm actually happy you brought up Brady Shea because I Go. feel like – I feel like if there's one player we've given the benefit of the doubt to the most, it's Brady Shea. And I'm not ready to bury him yet. I'm not. I, I still think the, the extension made a ton of sense. It's still I, I still think he's making the amount of money you would want to spend on a defenseman of his caliber. But it's also like his play style doesn't fit the system the Rangers want to play. So mm -hmm. at some point, you need – we – and maybe the Rangers management need to look within and be like, oh, this shit isn't working. Maybe we should do something about it. Yeah. I, 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 again, I'm not burying him yet either. But I'm just like, man. Like, where did this go wrong? And, like, why is it, like, been slowly, like, declining? Like, and, like, because I, I can't stop putting my brain to, like, oh, man. Like, you know how many people wanted this dude, like, two, three years ago? You know, like, like I'm trying to remember, like, what players – were even like on the table where it was like, oh, fucking William Melander for, for Brady Shea. And everyone's like, no chance. Brady Shea is untouchable. You know what I mean? It's like, which maybe that works out. I, I don't, I don't know how Nylander's season's going, but I mean, he's a weird dude too. Um, but I'm just saying there's trades like that where there were so many like people in discussion and then they all wanted Brady. And then we like kind of stuck to that. It reminds me of like the Oilers when the Oilers had uh, Jordan Eberle and then, um, like the, everyone was like, oh, you could have our first round pick if we can get Everly, you know, or you could have, you know, fill in the blank if we could get Everly. And they were like, no way, Everly, we're not getting them. And like, I remember there was like an NHL network show on the Oilers. It was called like Oil Change. And they were doing the draft and uh, whatever fucking geek that was running the Oilers back then was answering phones. And he kept laughing. He's like, oh, they said they'd give us this dude. And then, the, then his like assistant would be like, oh, who'd they want? And he'd be like laughing. Like they wanted Everly. Like, like, you're not going to get this guy. Yeah. What did you fucking trade Everly for? You know? 
And then what'd you end up with with the guy that you <laughs> traded for? What you got for Everly? You know what I mean? Like that's a tr- that's a really like special. Oh, so. Ryan Spooner, right? Didn't they get Ryan Spooner in the end of the deal? Uh, yeah, well, because they they got Strom for Everly, and then we got yeah. Strom for Spooner. Yeah. So look at that fucking jerk off, you know? So that's just what I see. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what I see for Brady. Where I'm just like, man, are we gonna get Ryan Spooner for Brady Shea now? You know, like that's just kind of what I see because. But I'm not trying to give up on him, too. But, like, that's why I'm just, like, extra, like, when I see him not playing so great, I just kind of be like, God damn, man. The good news is that it doesn't matter how bad defensemen play, they still retain their value because people still want to trade for Rasmus Ristolainen from the Sabres. <laughs> and I don't fucking know why. I'm yet to figure yeah. it out. It doesn't make any no sense. One wanted, no one wanted Shattenkirk. I didn't get that, honestly. Like, I, I get it. People were like, he's got to go. I get that. I do. But I was like, this guy didn't get a fair shot. Like, I, this guy's got a lot of heart, which I know that doesn't go as far as anymore because everyone's got fucking heart now. But, like, I don't know. I'm just like, what? Like, I, how come I, no one wanted Shattenkirk? Well, I think I think the I, – I will go to my grave saying the Rangers just got hustled on Shattenkirk. Agree. I think the entire, mm. I think the entire league knew the Rangers had no fucking choice, so they weren't going to give him anything. They weren't going to huh. eat any salary. And they were just going to wait for him to become a free agent. They and were a smart team yeah, like the Lightning ate him up. How did they? How did? That's the best contract he got. The one point seven five. Oh, he's still getting paid yeah. from us. So that. Well, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think it was the best one he got. I think Shattenkirk thought that was the best situation he, he could go to. I do know that he got offered he win, uh, yeah. a better, uh, at least a better contract. I think for two point five million from another team. But and I know, I know he got at least two multi-year offers as well. For sure, but he mm-hmm. wanted to rebuild his value, go to the Lightning, and still get paid from us. And just go to Rangers huh. South, probably have a chance to win a cup and go from there. And by the way, he's been very good, but it does help that he's playing with, I don't know, a ton of great players. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he's paired with, with Hedman. Yeah. Or he's with, uh, he or he's something. with Hedman a lot of the time. So, thought, good times. Uh, I know, I know, I know. But it's like, what if he was with fucking Truba? You know? Well, like, I, I just think I that know. he didn't fit their timeline. They did them dirty. And they, once they got Panera and they couldn't keep him, everyone knew. And they were like, no way. Mm-hmm. And they, they tried to trade Vladdy. And everyone was like, no. We're gonna wait. So that was it, uh, and they kept ended up keeping Strom. Um, we got to get out of here in a couple of seconds. But anything other final thoughts you wanna uh, you wanna hit with the Rangers? Uh, just do it for my boy Hank. Just, just get it done next year. <laughs> next year's the time. We're gonna. That's when just we make get the it run done for my boy. Yeah, just get it done for my boy. I appreciate you guys having it and of course, saying all man. the nice stuff about the record and. Hopefully see you guys at Gramercy Theater, and if you want to come, just, you know, you know where to find me, and I'll, I'll take care of all you Absolutely, guys. man. Um, remember, the, the album comes out, it's our, it's our Eternal Anonymous comes out November 1st. You can listen to two of the songs, at least now, if you go on YouTube and just type in Straight for the Path, they pop right up their YouTube videos. Uh, and then uh, you can go see them in 22nd, the Gramercy. If tickets are online, it's super easy to search for them. All right, Thomas, thanks so much, man. We'll retweet yeah. this out tomorrow. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. All right, bye. Hey, we're back. Great interview with Tom. Quality guy. I'll probably be at the show. Not sure yet. We'll text them. Um, thank you for breaking the F-bomb record. It's much appreciated. We're going to do some five-star questions and get the hell out of here. Gregory, first five-star question. This is from FBI 2.0, who is a frequent asker of five-star questions. Hey, guys. Congratulations on joining The Athletic. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's well, go let's well deserved. The, the Athletic will definitely benefit from having you on the team. It's like he's never listened. Or she. couple of questions. Which... Of the major developmental leagues, the NCAA, US and NWP, AHL, etc., is the most impactful on the development of prospects? That's a good question. Um, I think they all have different aspects. I don't. I don't think you can name one as the most developmental. I think everyone plays a step 
in the process of making a player NHL ready. Some players yeah, are, ju- are just I, normally AHL ready. Everyone is so different the way they develop that you can't really nail a section of development that is needed. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put the U.S. national development blah blah blah. I'd put that on the same level as like Canadian juniors hockey, which, while important to a player's development, I wouldn't call a developmental league. If that makes sense, it does. It's, um, I'd probably, I'd honestly probably say the AHL because that's just as close as you're going to get to the NHL without it actually being the NHL, right? They're like that, that is the de facto triple A. And while the best prospects may play in double A routinely, you don't fully believe the double A numbers until they replicate them in triple A. Like, we won't fully believe Keandre Miller's Wisconsin numbers until he does it again in Hartford or New York. That's simple. So, like, I'd, 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 I'd say the AHL is at the top notch. I don't think it's like a – hockey I don't think is like a traditional developmental structure like other leagues are. At the same time, I'd still say it's pretty, pretty safe to say the AHL. I think that would probably be the most... I, I just think every single section plays such an important part and everyone's so different that you can't pinpoint it down. These are there's these two more questions. They're all pretty good. Uh, how would you grade the NHL on its management of off-ice issues, particularly when it comes to applying disciplinary actions? Is it too harsh or too lenient? I think it can't make up its goddamn mind of what, what actually is the right sort of punishment, uh, much like the NFL can't figure it out either. I don't think either league can really do it. Yeah, officiating's bad. I don't know if it, I don't know I don't know if it's a blanket officiating is bad statement because we just have so many more high definition replays Highlights than we used to. Yes. Yeah, like we're being overwhelmed with stuff in slow motion that at the same time like we're there have been some just inexcusable calls in real time missed recently. Um yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like refs being like just giving us the middle finger and not calling things or if they're tentative to call things because they feel like they don't want to impact the game in a way and they don't want their whistle determining a winner and a loser. But then what they don't realize is them not blowing the whistle is as detrimental as blowing it too much. Yeah, I don't know. It's all, it's all weird. Uh, but it does feel like we are at a point – in North American sports where officiating has never been this bad. This question is pretty much just for you, if I'm being honest. Oh, here we go. Uh, Carlos Beltran, that's my answer. What are your favorite types of bets to make? Prop bets, in-game makes, personally, in-game makes, in-game bets. Personally, I'm a big futures guy because if I'm right, I win money and get to say I told you so. Mm, I'm not a big futures guy. Uh, I don't like having my money tied up. For a long time. In, yeah, it... I like making, I like discussing future bets and I like doing over unders and stuff like that. At the same time, I very rarely actually make future bets just because I like having a constant rotation of money. Um, the bet that I'm best at is, and this might shock you, Ryan. Uh, actually, I, you know what? It let me shock me because I don't know if uh, any bet you're good at. Wow, fuck you. Yeah, first just of just all. being honest. Uh, the, the bet I am best at is betting second halves of soccer games. 
Actually, this I, doesn't surprise I, me at all. Never mind. I take it back. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's one of the – this isn't even a humble brag that, oh, I'm so good at it. I just feel like if you watch the first half of a soccer game, you can get the idea as to what is going to happen pretty easily in a second half. Um, I would – the thing that sucks is here in upstate New York is you, it doesn't really – provide you the opportunities you have to make your second half bets before the game start and mm. I, I that that is asinine nope. no no reason to ever do that uh but yeah second second half bets on soccer is probably what i'm most successful at i i you know i don't i don't get crazy um for for football i'm betting money lines spreads and over-unders that's basically it i don't for the super bowl i go insane on player props yeah you guys do 70 it, bets yeah, if it if it's not the Super Bowl, I don't even do player props. I I basically only do player props for the Super Bowl. Next question is from AJ Hidel. Hey boys, do you think the way Quinn is handling the placement and ice time of our young players like Kako, Anderson, and the demotions of Kravtsov and Hedl and Igor are a result of rushing a clearly not ready for the for primetime Leas last year? Like I pretty much he's saying like we rushed Leas last time and we didn't learn from that, or where he's trying to learn from that. Has Quinn evolved the, in his methods? The the Leah stuff is a fair criticism, and I'm always here to hear it because you and I are pretty adamant about it too, that Leah needs to be getting more ice time. I, I think we need to get out of the habit of saying David Quinn demoted Vitaly Kravtsov. David Quinn was definitely a voice in the room, and I bet if Quinn spoke up enough, he would have been able to keep – Krasnov on the roster, but that's not a Gordon. But at move? the end of the at the end of the day, if John Davidson and Jeff Gordon wanted David wanted Vitaly Krasnov on the New York Rangers, he'd be on the New York Rangers. Like Quinn's Quinn's voice matters. Don't get me wrong. This isn't this isn't to say that David Quinn is like his his role in lineup decisions and player management is minimal. It's not. I'm sure David Quinn provided an honest critique of Vitaly Krasnov. But if Jeff Gordon wanted Kravtsov on the New York Rangers, you know where Jeff Vitaly Kravtsov would be, Ryan? He'd be on the New York Rangers. Hmm. So it's it's makes you think. I, I I I do I do think it's unfair to be like, and just like Jeff Gordon, I don't think will ever tell David Quinn what players to play with whom. But if Jeff Gordon really thought that David Quinn was doing Leah Anderson a complete and utter disservice by playing him on the fourth line, he'd let his coach know. And I just I I think some some of it, it we're in the habit of blaming the head coach for everything that goes wrong on a daily basis because it's the head coach that um, fills out the lineup card every day. At the same time, it's an organization. It's a collaborative effort. These guys are working in unison. They are collaborating at a constant level. So it's just like we can't always just when things go wrong, you can't just blame Quinn. If you want to blame Quinn. You got to also blame Gorton for allowing him to organize a team how he wants. And you got to blame Davidson for enabling everybody to do this. this is, we talked about we talked about this long, long time ago with Elaine Vigneault and Tanner Glass, where it's like, at some point, you have to take the toys away from Elaine Vigneault, right? And that falls on Jeff Gorton. We've, I've definitely made that point on this podcast before. So it's like, yes, Quinn probably has the most active day-to-day role in what uh, is going on with that lineup at the same time, guys. Jeff Gordon is the, at the end of the day, Jeff Gordon is the one where the buck stops. At the end of the day, the second part of this question is, and is there an element of showcasing Smith, Strom, and Kreider to raise their value for future trades that is currently impacting the available ice time? AJ, you know how I feel, man. 
You know, you've listened to me. Of course, that's part of the aspect. I don't. Uh, I know you don't. Yes agree. and no, yes and no. No, it's just I don't think David Quinn is playing Ryan Strom anywhere in the lineup because he gives a fuck what the Rangers could possibly get for him in trade. I don't think that thought has ever crossed his mind. I don't think David Quinn looks at Ryan Strom as a trade asset. I think David Quinn looks at Ryan Strom as someone that might help him win a hockey game. And I, I don't think it goes much further than that. That's crazy. So I totally disagree. I, does it does it work in unison that by giving Strom more responsibility, it is increasing his trade value? Yes. But I don't think it's specifically being done to increase his trade value. I think that that is equally a ridiculous take. I think it's specifically, and I will stand by that because I've watched him do it before. It's all right. You've been wrong before. You'll be wrong again. I have news. So have you. Uh, last one for the day. It's five-star question. This is from Gunslinger2094. Uh, has Kreider's play, play changed your mind so far to, that you want to sign slash trade him? Pretty much, or do you think he's playing injured again? Uh, I don't think he's playing injured. I just think he's playing lackluster. I don't think he's injured at all. I don't know what he's injured I, for. I, I don't even think he's playing lackluster. I think he's playing terribly. I don't, I don't think he got a sugarcoated any more than that. He's been talking. Call bad, bad is bad. Yeah. Uh, I, great, I, I great. don't count his goal in Bo- the Boston game. Because for me, Boston was like, we're done, we're going home. And then we scored three goals on accident. I just, it was over already. Yeah, no, Boston Boston tried, uh, Boston got up, went to the kitchen to make themselves some food, forgot that the game was still on. And uh, they came back to find out the game was in fact still on. Best case scenario for Kreider, he really turns it on in the month of November and December, and you get to trade him for somewhat of a, a good package. I know there's a... Uh, Unfortunately for Blues fans, Tarasenko is out for five months. And I've seen some people do the, well, will Kreider become a Blue? They just won a cup. They don't care. They're not going to make a move. I'd be shocked. I mean, they might, they, might, they might make a move at the same time. It's not Chris Kreider. Hard to imagine the, hard to imagine the Rangers trading Kreider's at a lower value. At the same time, got to tell you, if we're just basing off, I don't think there's any scenario where I'd want the Rangers to re-sign Chris Kreider if, this is how he's going to perform. I also think your chances of getting a first-round pick for Chris Kreider have gone out the window currently. They are gone. Uh, I wouldn't say gone out the window. I'd, I'd say the window is closing. Quickly. Quickly. So Kreider really needs to step his game up, and I think he, you know, probably being traded is weighing on him. I'd be shocked if it wasn't the case. That has been this week's very long episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway. You can follow me on Twitter at Orion Mead. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break where we tweet all things about the Rangers all the time. And if you were interested in the Mets and the Carlos Beltran and Mickey Calloway, Angels pitching coach for three more years. Now, I just, I hope they sign Garrett Cole and I hope Mickey Calloway. Here's the thing though. Mickey Calloway, we've determined that Mickey Calloway is a fine pitching coach. Yes, that's true. We've seen it happen. Um, And if you're interested in going to the Rangers game versus Carolina uh, on the 27th of December, please DM me and I can get you some details. We have some sweet spots still left open. Anything else we want to plug before the show ends? I guess you can go to theathletic.com slash BSP, become an athletic member, and join us for our Wednesday night episode or Thursday morning episode this week when we talk about Filipino after the game on Tuesday. So that'll be all of our plugs. Thanks so much to our sponsors. Thanks so much to The Athletic and everyone who supports us, including, and I didn't forget who you are, Brian Doyle, Tory from Manhattan, Thomas O'Neill, Eric Stagg, Bren, Ben Weber, Billy Huff, Johnny Thundercock, Ben Waters, and, of course, Sean Taggart. And I want to thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you guys next week. We love you so much. Bye-bye.